0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Homebase Nation. It's October 24th, 2023, and this is Ron Hirschberg, physician at Homebase Program for Veterans and Military Families, and your host. On the show today, you may know Academy Award and Golden Globe nominee Marielle Hemingway for her iconic roles in Lipstick, Manhattan, Civil Wars, Star 80, and others, or that she's built a mental health foundation to connect those in need of support and resources. But did you know she's also from a military family? Her dad, Jack Hemingway, enlisted in the Army in World War II, just after Pearl Harbor in 1941. And in '44 in France, he was captured by the Germans as a POW, He worked for the French Resistance in the Office of Strategic Services, or OSS, which would become the CIA post-World War II. And like his father, Ernest Hemingway, Jack was always looking for an adventure, as Marielle tells us.
1: My father has some great stories about being in World War II and skydiving with his fly rod into enemy zones where the fishing was really good. (laughs) That was my dad.
0: (laughs) Mariel's grandfather, yes, the American writer and Nobel Prize-winning novelist Ernest Hemingway, at age 18 was denied enlistment to the army for visual impairment, but his will to serve brought him to the front line in Italy with the Red Cross as an ambulance driver in 1917. He was seriously wounded by mortar fire while bringing food and supplies to troops, and while he was injured, he brought more soldiers to safety, and for that he was awarded the Italian Merit Cross. Now, taking care of ourselves in body, mind, and soul is something we focus and care a lot about around home base and this show. Marielle Hemingway and her partner, Bobby Williams, have been cracking that code on wellness and are strong advocates for all the key pillars that we share in the world of lifestyle medicine and health and wellness. And as you'll learn, seven of the most important doctors out there are mentioned to keep our mind, body, soul balance in check, who are available to us, as Marielle and Bobby say, 24-7 and free of charge. These are Dr. Sun, Dr. Air, Dr. Water, Dr. Earth, Dr. Exercise, Dr. Nutrition, and Dr. Rest. This was such a great conversation, not only about wellness and mental health, but the importance of telling our stories so that we can move forward, whether we write our own book like Marielle did in 2015 or not. Her memoir, Out Came the Sun, is a journey through her life as a Hemingway, through the complexities of family life, in the context of alcohol and addiction, depression, suicides, and fame, and as she says, it was never without trying when she talked about her family, despite much of the challenges and tragedy. I asked her about how writing a book like this affected her, and she spoke about the process of telling your story, and how the more you do it, the more it's just that. It's a story, and thus... It should never be what defines you.
1: I felt a responsibility to be as honest as I could be without ever throwing anybody under the bus. But it's never about somebody else. It's always about you and the choices you've made. Yes, we have trauma. Yes, we have parents. Yes, we have heritage. Yes, we have genetics. We have all that. But we also have this present moment to make different choices. Once you tell the story, then you're able to let the story go. And then the story becomes a story. I don't define myself by how I was brought up or that I come from seven suicides or this, that or the other thing it's not who mm-hmm. i am but it's a part of what happened and i think that that's what life's about it's this constant journey of like learning more about yourself
0: we did something new this time and the tables were turned i was a guest on mariel's podcast with her friend and colleague melissa yamaguchi out comes the sun where they address mental physical and spiritual wellness so i had the honor to talk all about home base and our mission and the episode is out now on all the usual channels. We had a blast, and thanks to Melissa, Marielle, and Slater for bringing Homebase Nation into the Outcomes of Sun family. So here is my conversation with the wonderful Marielle Hemingway. Thank you for joining Homebase Nation. We'll see you on the other end. Mario Hemingway. Hello. Hello. It's really an honor to talk with you, uh, to meet you across the country.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: You are where right now?
1: I am in Los Angeles. I'm actually in Venice, California, which is Uh a unique and different kind of spot to be in.
0: (laughs) Fun. It looks beautiful out there.
1: It is. It's actually, I mean, now that fall is here, whatever that means here, Mm. it just means there's no fog. So it's actually really quite beautiful.
0: (laughs) I'm in Boston, in a outside of Boston in a basement right now in an undisclosed. <laughs>
1: location.
0: But uh it's it is gorgeous today. We we did have this crazy several days of rain. I went with my daughter on Saturday, who's fifteen, uh, to the Billy Joel Stevie Nicks concert oh, wow. in uh Foxboro Stadium with like seventy thousand people and it rained the entire three hours. Oh my but God. um it was a great, a great bonding experience though.
1: Yeah, there uh, we go.
0: I have to say, you know, so I got home from work and I decided to do a quick run. And I say that because what it made me think about during my run, speaking of the sunshine out there in L.A. or Venice, is the seven doctors. Yeah. I'm going to rattle them off. I think I know them by heart. Cool. So I went for a run and and I I, I breathed the air yeah. and it was it was awesome. And I noticed the sun. It was I was getting exercise mm-hmm. when I got back. I chugged a bunch of water. I had some blueberries for nutrition and, oh, I wrote them down. I'm cheating. Earth <laughs> and yeah. rest. Yes. But I wanted to start with that because it, it sort of all came together because one of the things that we at Home Base talk about when we treat our veterans and families is really about what a lot of people call wellness or health or mental health that is very much being in tune to our surroundings and nature. Yeah. So I know that you and your partner Bobby Williams have done some really great work in this, and a lot of thought has gone into this. So I thought maybe we can just sort of reflect there as we're cross country talking about different weather patterns and 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 yep. uh, and how we want to I don't know how we want to treat ourselves and reflect on on mental health.
1: Absolutely. Well, okay. So the seven doctors, which you did a very good job of explaining, but it's like Doctor Sun. Dr. Air, Dr. Water, Dr. Exercise, Dr. Nutrition, Dr. Earth, and Dr. Rest. And as Bobby says, they're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they're free. But the truth of the matter is, I think that people don't realize that the everyday things that you choose to do, how you wake up in the morning, whether you take time to be still and silent, whether you once in a while take your shoes off and go in the backyard and literally ground or in the middle of winter you have a grounding mat or something. Maybe you need to adjust that. I have done the snow, not recommended. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but these small things whether you drink water the kind of food you're eating all of these things matter to your brain. We sort of have this idea that the brain is disconnected from the body but all of these things work in harmony, right? right. They work in right. synchronicity. So you really to be aware of the seven doctors but aware of your life, your lifestyle because I think mental health 90% of it is about taking responsibility for you, right? Just saying, Hey, I've got this life. It's not like, Oh, I have to take the blame for trauma, but you have to say, Hey, this is who I am. And this is how I got here. And this is what I do. Can I change some of those things? Quite possibly. Yes. Right. It's important. It's important to change up the things that aren't working, you know, like does having a cocktail or two or three (laughs) every single night, is that serving you? And is that a depressant? Does that cause you to be in a different state of mind that is actually not helpful? You know, at first you feel good and then all of a sudden there's a depressant and yeah. you're not feeling good. And the brain is not it's not enhanced by that. So my whole thing is just about looking at yourself and taking mm. an honest account of what's going on, making no, it's it's not about like going in, oh, I'm terrible, I, I do terrible. It's not about that, it's just about mm. going, oh. I do those things and maybe some of those things don't serve me very well. Nobody needs to slap you. It just means you take responsibility for, you know, I have to look at my heritage. I have an amazing heritage. You know, Ernest Hemingway is the greatest writer of the 20th century and, you know, and probably every century from now till forever. But there was also mental illness. There was also addiction. There was also overindulgence in many things that weren't good for you, but that was also a different time. So it makes me think, okay, I got to choose differently in my life because I have those genes. I've got that. I have suicides in my family.
0: Yeah. And I want to get a little bit into that too, of course, because, you know, as we know, this happens to be suicide awareness month, um, recovery month. I think back to the, how we can control everything below the neck that controls above the neck. And the fact that mind and body are connected is something that as physicians and as in the medical establishment, it's taken a long time for people to value that. There are people 30, 40, 50 years ago that were holding that flag up from psychiatrists to cardiologists and everything in between that were shunned or laughed at thinking that- There's a lot out there besides the pill and besides basic medical practice. And so we certainly have a lot, a long way to go, of course, but I appreciate thinking about this very holistically. And it really resonated with me when you and Bobby talked about those seven doctors. Your book is wonderful. Out came the sun. Thank you. And what you alluded to just a minute ago about your family and about a legacy happens as we know, in many, many families. But the fact that it was in the public eye is obviously a different story. And the fact that you have that legacy of, like you said, one of the one of the most uh, renowned um, authors of our time. You know, when you think about actually writing the book and going through that exercise, I can't even imagine. What was that like for you during that whole process for your own mental health or, or well-being?
1: Thank you for the question, first of all, because it's It's actually such an important part of my own personal healing. I liken the telling of the story. My story for me is Outcomes the Sun. I talk about my childhood, growing up, being in the business that I was in, entertainment world, and dealing with suicides, dealing with an ex-husband who had cancer, dealing with having kids, You know, all of that that we all go through. But I do believe that that telling of the story is so profound and it was it was powerful i wrote another book at the same time called invisible girl which i wrote mm-hmm. from the perspective of like a 13 14 year old girl looking at her life and and what it felt like to be in that family whom i loved but i was also deeply confused by why everybody was so messed up but i didn't really yeah. know that they were messed up because that was my normal and asking the questions that one does. But anyway, getting mm-hmm. back to your question, it was sometimes exhilarating and sometimes kind of scary because it brought up stuff, right? You think about past times and it can be challenging to your psyche for a moment. But what I learned is the further and the more you dig in, the better the healing is, right? If mm. you really just are raw and let yourself... and. I'm not asking everybody to go write a book. I did it because I don't think my story is unique. I Mm. think everybody Mm. has trauma. They go through stuff. You know, parents aren't perfect. And it doesn't mean everybody wasn't trying. You know, maybe you had seriously abusive parents or a childhood. But I think a lot of people have challenges that they have to go through. And I think the more you dig into those and get really dirty and remember that even... When you dig into the trauma of your life, it can't mm-hmm. hurt you again. It can bring up stuff, it can trigger you. But if you're in a safe environment and you feel as though the people that are listening to you, or you know, in my case, it was a an editor or somebody helping me write the book, was there to to hold that space so that I could just be raw. And mm scared. And because I felt a responsibility to be as honest as I could be without ever throwing anybody under the bus, because if anybody gets thrown under the bus, I wanted it to be me for like stupid decisions. Right. But Mm. It's never about somebody else. It's always about you and the choices you've made. Yes, we have trauma. Yes, we have parents. Yes, we have heritage. Yes, we have genetics. We have all that. But we also have this present moment to make different choices. So in writing the story, I was able to like let that. Once you tell the story, then you're able to let the story go. And then the story becomes a story. It's not. Oh who you are right i Mm. don't define myself by how i was brought up or that i come from seven suicides or this that or the other thing it's not who Mm. i am but it's a part of what happened it just enables me to heal like every day i heal a little bit more even talking to you it's like i'll have aha moments in my brain where i'll go oh wow i hadn't thought of it in that perspective before Mm. and i think that that's what life's about it's this constant journey of like learning more about yourself. Know thyself, right? It's it's a powerful thing.
0: In the book, you talk about different chapters of going through life as a young kid and growing up, entering fame and in and out of it and all the craziness that goes along with it. What was really um, a theme certainly was family. And the fact, like you just said, that so many people can relate to these uh, same issues. The fact that there was another brotherhood or sisterhood in movies. And that yeah. you felt a family that you didn't find at home. Yeah. That was really telling to me about this, this group of people that connected that were in the bunker, so to speak, together for weeks to months, maybe a year on end. And you, the type of bonding that occurs reminded me, actually, of what a, a lot of our service members go through. Yeah, It's a very different culture, but there was some camaraderie that I wanted. I, I wanted to hear your reflections on.
1: I love that you brought that up because I've always wondered and probably thought to myself, I bet it's similar, but you're in this environment. It's isolated. It's the whole world to you, right? Because that's all you're doing. You're very focused, but all your people are around you to support that, right? And that's like movies. Everybody's there trying to get this final thing done, whatever that final thing is. It enables you in those moments to be your best self, right? You get to show up as whoever you want to be, but you're in this kind of like high adrenaline state kind of all the time. And for an actor, you're on, you know, you're ready to be on camera, you're ready to be on. But I imagine being a soldier, it's very similar. You're on, you got to be on. And when you come home, to your real home and to your r- real people, it's a bit deflated, right? It ca- it has to feel almost hollow. I mean, it must be so hard at times. Well,
0: right. There's there's a, a belonging and a mission yeah. that yeah. everyone goes through. It's, it, that and when you don't have people... that,
1: I have things that fill my life. Yeah. If you don't have a mission, you don't have something passionate to go towards. It's frustrating and depressing. Um,
0: It was sad, but also it it was um, you hit a nerve there about your own family, how um, you may not have had that connection all the time. I know it's also heartening to hear that you say that there's so much good that comes and that people are always, I think you mentioned, trying. It's not that they're not trying, you know, but you had to be real in this book, too. After the book came out, it's like seven, eight years now. We talked about how that was for you. How about for the rest of your family?
1: Well, I'll be honest here. Most of my family were already had already passed by the time I wrote the book. I mean, close family members, uncles, aunts, whatever. I don't really even have relationships with my cousins very much. I have a cousin I you know, a couple of cousins I love, but they're not close. I didn't grow up with them. Which is so interesting because I have a partner now who's like who talks to his cousins daily. Mm. Like it's bizarre. Mm. I'm like, what? (laughs) <laughs> but it's like, it's just a different kind of family unit. And so I purposely, I didn't purposely wait for my family to die, but I didn't, you know, I didn't, do, I didn't go on that journey until I knew it was safe and nobody would get hurt. It's not my place to tell somebody else's story or to tread on their, on their ability to address things. I think the responsibility you have when you tell a story, about yeah. your life and people's lives that you're talking about, you need to be extremely mindful that you're mm. telling your story, mm. that you're not blaming, you're not pointing fingers. And I don't want to do that. That's not my place. My place right. is to tell what the choices that I made. And, you know, I'm not a victim. I did I did what I did. I probably acted like a victim at times, whatever. But it was still my journey.
0: There was something interesting that I read about, there's the, at the JFK library, yes. uh, there was a the Hemingway um, exhibit, right? Yeah. What was really fascinating is that they made a comment about how Ernest Hemingway uh, in World War I and Two, before television and before certainly the internet, before any of that came to our doorstep in Vietnam and the later wars and told us exactly what was going on there. He did that. Years and years before, yeah, and was able to describe what was going on um, in a very real way, not just clear reporting. And so I don't know; I don't think a lot of people realize that in addition to a farewell to, to arms that was, you know, inspired by wars, uh, World War One, that he was a reporter,
1: yeah, and
0: that he was actually in the trenches, yeah, for
1: the um, Toronto, the Toronto Star, and the Kansas City Star.
0: Yep, yeah. the Toronto Star. I didn't see the Kansas City Star, but I'll believe but, you.
1: Yeah, the Toronto, but. <laughs> And right. And you're right. I don't think people realize that he came from that reporting, but reporting from a different place. It wasn't like how we get our news now. It was like this description of what was really going on and how it looked. You know, this is conjecture, but it led him to like desire this urgency, this sense of like, that's why he wrote about courage. Because when you're in the trenches, when you're facing, facing your fears, facing things that are bigger than you, so much bigger than they're staring you in the face, what that does to the human psyche and writing about that. And I think that that's why he drank so much. I think that that's why he was, Mm. you know, in Africa, like hunting big game, trying to get that feeling of danger, really, so that he could really understand everything else. Right. And he could write about it from this raw place. That's my feeling.
0: Well, that's interesting to, to think about going out into as an adventure and actually bringing in the element of of drinking. I do wonder if that was post quote deployments, like when he was overseas. It sounds as if that that was a way for him to for him to make that transition that yeah. we talked about a minute ago with whether you're you know deployed or whether you're on a movie set to have yes. that transition back to home. Yeah, Do you think that was part of his I journey? I think
1: so. And it, ma- it makes me think that the families and the people and the veterans that you talk to, it must be so hard to integrate into real life. And also who sees it the way that you can see it? That's why mm-hmm. you need those communities. The community that you've built with Homebase is a place where they can talk to other people that understand their perspective.
0: Well, that's right. I mean, some of the, you know, Sebastian Younger writes about this all the time and um, um, the tribe aspect. There's a a comfort in numbers, uh, even in very scary, dangerous times. Some people look longingly on some of these very scary and awful times because they were together. It's, it's so paradoxical. On on the note of uh, the JFK Museum, I'm just going to read this quote. When Ernest Hemingway was wounded in World War One. He said, had the enemy mortar attack been more successful that fateful night, this is when he volunteered for the Red Cross in 1918, was a young guy and uh, was, in, was in Italy, bringing chocolates and uh, refreshments to the, uh, to the soldiers, uh, and he was wounded. If the mortar attack was more successful, the world would never have known one of the greatest writers of the 20th century. Conversely, had Hemingway not been injured in the attack, he may not have fallen in love with his Red Cross nurse. Uh, that romance yes. has served as the genesis for the book, you know, the, the pros and cons of a mortar attack, I guess.
1: Yeah. Uh, right. For, for right. your grandfather. Yeah.
0: Um, there's been so many people that have been um, very touched by those works. As far as service goes, it goes in your it actually transcends in your family. Who Who else has served in the military?
1: My father. My father served in the military. My father has some great stories about being in World War II and skydiving with his fly rod into enemy zones where the fishing was really good. (laughs) That was my dad. (laughs) He was captured at one point. He wrote a book about it. I can't remember what my dad's book was, which, by the way, got to be rough to write a book about (laughs) Yeah. War and being Ernest way son it was tough
0: you're a a daughter of a veteran Mario and and you're a military family we see people from all over that have been affected by by all conflicts your family served and uh thank you yeah, um
1: that's awesome I've never heard that before that's cool <laughs> <laughs> that's cool I, and I like that actually
0: well, you know, it's uh, there's there's 1% of active duty out there now. and There's only about 10% veterans. You know, there's 99% of us don't serve. I don't, I'm, I'm not a veteran. You know, there's something special about that and it runs in families. Wow. What I've been amazed with is what you've been able to do to pivot and to show resilience. That's a key word. You said before, there's some control here, but you're up against a big wave of, like you said, genetics, Seven suicides, substance use. There's a lot. Yeah. But there's a real resilience that is evident. It really gives hope to a lot of other people.
1: That's kind of you to say. I mean, you know, the journey is is unique for everyone, and yet I really see solutions. I prefer to see solutions, not problems. I spent a great deal of my life being afraid of what I came from. And now I sort of embrace it because Mm. I real because, like I said before. The story's become a story, and now I can embrace who I am because of the story and who I became because of having gone through those things. And I just see every day as this great adventure. Hmm. You know, you got to speak with Bobby. We he he has a vitality for life that is extraordinary. I mean, here we are in our sixties and he acts like, I don't know, very young. <laughs> but
0: we'll give him that 30.
1: excitement for life, Mm -hmm. you know, it's profound. And I think that everybody should feel that way about their lives. And you don't have to be doing extraordinary things in the world, but you need to be excited by your journey, by your life. And that is part of your recovery Mm -hmm. from trauma from depression, from all of it, is to think of your life as very, very special. And I'm going to dig into this life and make it amazing because it's my life. It was gifted to me. Why not make it the best you can by making really good choices about how you live it every moment? I don't know. That's my-
0: Well, no, thank you. And and I think that we've come far with stigma and with the ability for the outside world to put a little less pressure on the people that have that are having mental illness challenges, substance use challenges. That almost at some point back in the day probably made it almost impossible. Because yeah. now now people can say I am depressed, but yet I do matter. And so I think that what you say is spot on about about how we we do just get this one chance. So, so. why not
1: make it work? You know. And yes, we're gonna have fail. I mean, it's like business, right? In business, you have tons of, fail. you know, all the great people that have billions of dollars, whatever. They've had all these like fall downs, failures, whatever. Even my oh. grandfather, like if you look at his life and his trajectory and his, whether he had money and then he didn't have money and that, you know, like it's it seems like, it all seems like, oh, it happened overnight. No, it was a long process of falling down and all that stuff. But when we can see it as just part of this great adventure, yeah. And not get caught up in these in the minutia of having things go wrong or not be in in the way that you saw it. I see it happening this way, and it doesn't happen that way. Ninety percent of what, right in our lives never happens the way you think it's going to or want to, that you want to have it happen.
0: What a great way to to end part one of our conversation. Yes, um, <laughs> and hopefully there'll be more. Um, yeah, I hope know, we,
1: so this is awesome
0: you know you come from a family of service too and I think that's that's pretty awesome so so thanks for joining us
1: thank you that actually touched me I've never never been told that that's cool Mm. (laughs) thank you
0: Many thanks, Marielle Hemingway, for joining us on Homebase Nation. Thank you for your passion for mind-body health and helping others through your work with the foundation and the collaboration with your partner, Bobby Williams, on all things wellness. Your family story and legacy are remarkable. And at the same time, as you say, there is nothing unique about many of these challenges and triumphs we all share. Please check out her memoir, Out Came the Sun, which is also read by the author on Audible. And of course, follow our friends Melissa and Marielle's great podcast, Out Comes the Sun. Special thanks for the introduction to our guests, Dr. Rudy Tanzi, MGH scientist and artist. This episode was edited and co-produced by Chuck Clough of Above the Basement Productions. Homebase Nation is the official podcast of Homebase Program for Veterans and Military Families. Please check out homebase.org to find out how you can support our mission and connect to care. I'm Ron Hirschberg. Thanks for joining us today.